0: This is episode 45 of the Fire Protection Podcast, powered by InspectPoint. Today, my guest is Jamie Knowles of the Amorex Corporation. Jamie is the sales manager for kitchen and industrial systems, essentially the pre-engineered system uh, line for Amorex. He's a wealth of knowledge within the fire protection space. Uh, This is, I believe, my third time talking to him on the podcast. Um, a couple of years ago he gave a uh, state of the restaurant industry uh, right when the pandemic first started uh, so we kind of go over some some things two years later and, and where we're at but also how the pre-engineered uh, system market is transitioning different markets different avenues different technologies and how even kitchen systems um, and how building owners and facility managers are uh, bringing in different, uh, technology and cooking equipment to almost get rid of all of some of the nuisances of, of pre-engineered uh, kitchen systems. So, uh, it was great to talk to Jamie. Uh, we go for, uh, over an hour actually. So, uh, uh, get ready for a longer podcast and, uh, again, please like, subscribe, share. Um, uh, I've, I've ran into a lot of people over the summer that have listened to the podcast and. Uh, Appreciate all the support and um, should be have more coming out here soon. Here we go. Um, welcome to the podcast, Jamie. Uh, I don't know what time this is, this is it maybe third time, second,
1: second? Second time for us.
0: Second official, but I think you were on some of the NAFED ones.
1: Yes, yes, sir.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, Thanks that's for... right. Cause
1: uh, at the beginning of NAFED, I did some of that, but then this is our second formal podcast
0: yeah yeah that was uh in 2020 so it's almost i think it'll probably be released when the last one was released two years ago um you know and we were going over the state of the restaurant industry and all that and that one actually got a lot of traction i think it got some good talking points out there because the pandemic was still pretty fresh
1: it was real fresh. We were all just getting into it, trying to figure out how to pivot and, and what we were going to do and uh, how to get, And I know our distributors were struggling with how to get to their customers and that sort of yep. stuff. Uh, and now we've come a couple of years past that we're coming out of the pandemic and there's a whole new set of challenges (laughs) uh, that are are different for our industry so it's it's apropos it's time to to get together and discuss pre-engineered fire suppression uh it's also good timing next year at the mayfeds i'm going to be giving a presentation on uh friday uh, about this subject so this is going to sort of help me lean into that uh that presentation and, and get it get it built um, and, and honestly, our pre-engineered suppression um, industry is in this little niche between sprinklers and alarms, and they don't get a lot of uh, um, they don't get a lot of media attention like this. They don't right. have podcasts to go listen to or resources to go uh, check out that are just specific to pre-engineered and portables, right? Uh, right. So anytime we can do this kind of thing, I think it gives them something to uh, make them think about, right? Uh, help, hopefully it helps them get better at their job and find other resources. If we can spread a little knowledge, I think it's good for our little industry. Well, yeah, I, I
0: agree with that. And it kind of brings up a, um, a thought I had. I was at a, a one of your Amarex distributors in New England recently mm-hmm. and big, big in the sprinkler end. It had been for years. Got in... Um, uh, bought a little, a smaller um, extinguisher business, and he, I, I kind of told him like to to broaden broaden your business a little bit more. Get into some of the, you know, they're in Rhode Island, so they're they're into a lot of the marine aspect, right? Get into oh, sure. some of the FM200 and the yachts and whatever. Now he's in he's into he's into paint booth suppression and using your is it IP,
1: IS system, IS.
0: IS IS, and he didn't even know, and he had this whole work throw flow. With is, and is it Derek that's doing it with yeah, you Derek guys? Yeah, Derek Bryant's our this. Yeah.
1: this is his person. Yes. So
0: Derek's helping him. He's actually embedding it in an inspector. It was like this really cool avenue that I didn't even I didn't even know about, and um, kind of using our technology with with what you guys are doing, and. Um, I don't know. It's really cool to, to see them expanding their horizons into pre-engineered. It's, you know, It's
1: nice that, you know, the conglomeration in our industry with uh, the big nationals buying everybody up, it presents a lot of new opportunity because in each of those new offices where it used to just be a sprinkler house, they're trying to add fire extinguishers, pre-engineered systems, alarms, security, mm-hmm. access control, all of that stuff. Um, and if you can get an anchor in some of those accounts, it can reap benefits for you. You can yeah. do pretty well. And, and, you know, they're all trying to be everything to everyone. Uh, right. So um, as they go through that endeavor and find out new ways, like sprinkler guys doing paint booths with dry chem instead of water, just like that. Right. right. Uh, right. Uh, when they start learning how to do those things. Uh, the whole industry gets better. Uh, yeah honestly. Uh, and then those uh, those companies or those offices can supply a more comprehensive fire protection solution across the board because uh, the world's not just sprinklers and alarms right our little niche is quite important to that fire protection plan in each building
0: well that was that was the whole thing with it is like they wanted a, a bit of sprinklers you know they wanted hey can you put a sprinkler system in this you know in this paint booth or whatever yeah. and he's like No, I'll just, I'll put an industrial system in there.
1: In many cases, you want to add uh, sprinklers to a a fire alarm. You might have to put a new underground in. You might need a fire pump. You flat out might not have enough water at all on that site to do it. So having an option to go with dry chem that doesn't require uh, a water supply or frankly, a, a, a water capture. Uh, yes. um, uh Right. You have to retain all that water that's sprayed into the paint environment into a dam or a buffer uh, wow. or into a tank somehow. And that is a big extra cost. So going with dry chemical in a paint booth can can really present a good option for the end user and the fire equipment distributor.
0: Now, it's that's interesting to say that. Um, yeah. That's cool.
1: And so not what... in that space, there's a lot more uh, mobile um, uh, painting operations, uh, wow. limited finishing workstations, things that it would be almost impossible to put sprinklers in.
0: Yes, right, because yes.
1: they're on casters or something like that. Right. So, with a standalone dry chem system, you can kind of mount it on there uh, and then have it connected either wirelessly to different shutdowns or uh, or notifications. But gives you a few more options.
0: Uh, are there any other areas, like in industries, or I guess? Um, things to protect right that that you've seen on on the industrial side like like paint booths is there any any industries popping up that you're oh
1: yeah you have- yeah it's our it's our uh it's our the the funny new nfpa standard nfpa
0: 420 uh i'm on the standard
1: yeah uh <laughs> the protection of extraction booths yeah. is still kind of the wild west out there right now. Um, we get a lot of requests. I know our competition does to protect extraction booths with dry chemical and standard detection. That's not really the best application. Uh, right. uh um, when you're extracting a, a concentrate from marijuana, usually you're using a flammable gas of some yep. kinds, yep. right? Uh, and it, that becomes yep. an explosion hazard. Right. Uh, And you need detection that can deal with that. You need uh, and you need suppression that can deliver the agent fast enough as well. Otherwise, you have an explosion building falls down and then the fire system goes poof. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. You got (laughs) nothing.
1: That doesn't do anybody any good. So I would say to the industry, make sure you're using the right fire system for extraction booths. Make sure it covers flammable gases make sure you can detect the fire fast enough and make sure you can deliver agent fast enough. Right. Don't right. go with, I can, I have access to industrial dry chems. So I'll sell that. Well, right. it's probably not the best application there.
0: So, so I guess, yeah, obviously detection is a big thing, but is there anything to put out that, I mean, sprinklers are, are going to be delayed because because there's just water delivery time and all that. And so if industrials, I guess, what is there other than detection?
1: So I I think it's delivery time, right? So you can uh, build the system so that you can use a clean gas tank and a very short amount of piping so that as soon as you do get detection valve opens and it's delivering product right now or agent right now versus where you've got maybe a dry chem system that has to deliver sand through pipe and several elbows and nozzles to get there It's just going to take longer right yeah so so uh i think the best way to say this is each manufacturer has their own solution and their own engineering to do that but uh but it's important to note that your detection needs to be fast and your suppression needs to be just as fast in order to tackle that hazard correctly uh industrial dry chem with fusible link detections detection is just simply not the right answer
0: yeah yeah you know, I, it's interesting i haven't i haven't been to my first standard committee yet or a, a technical meeting yet but i'm interested to see the different manufacturers on there and and just what's out there cuz i you know i i haven't heard of anything that's That's going to solve that. Yeah, I see a lot of sprinkler designers racking their brains over different protection and occupancy classes and all that, but nothing on the extraction side, which is probably the biggest hazard of the whole industry.
1: I think we're going to evolve into something that's like what covers uh, powder coating booths. Oh. Uh, the the fike explosion suppression system that's used for that kind of uh, application and there are other ones on the market, but uh, okay. uh, um, I think it's going to evolve into something like that, because again we're dealing with uh, air coming in air extracting out flammable gases within that space, you're going to need dampers to close it off you're going to need fast detection you're going to need fast suppression, all yep. of that and that kind of leans into that explosion suppression space. So um, uh, this is new to our whole industry. And I think uh, we're just at the beginning of that path. Uh, And that's why I pointed out the way I do. I'm not looking for a sale there. I'm looking for the industry to protect these hazards correctly. Yep. Don't underprotect them with the wrong product. Right. Uh, and again, each manufacturer has their own solutions and their own way of doing that. So uh, I, I will let their distributors uh, bid those appropriately. But but we should be doing it right. You know, we yeah. shouldn't be uh, um, putting a system in there just because we have it and it, and we can make a sale.
0: Yeah. No, I I agree. You just won't. You know, short. Short-term thinking versus solution thinking. Yeah,
1: so yeah. I- on the industrial side of the business, that's really the uh, the the new and emerging uh, hazards that we're seeing quite a bit of. Uh, uh, I I think that we're also seeing some ambiguity around what you can protect with the uh, pneumatic detection and delivery systems too. Right, they're they're sort of on the periphery there of of UL or FM listed um, uh, pre-engineered systems that meet UL twelve fifty four. Uh, and they fill a space, right? Uh, sometimes on vehicles, sometimes in buildings. So that's a little uh, a little bit of a, an emerging space as well uh, in industrial dry chem. But for the most part in fire protection, that's a smaller market, right? So yeah. it's, it's fairly static and fairly consistent over time. Uh, whereas the restaurant market is much more volatile volatile and pre-engineer uh right it's uh we we ebb and flow with the restaurant industry we have to adjust with the restaurant industry uh, as they make major changes in how they do business it affects fire suppression yep. uh and uh and we sort of have to roll with that that industry quite a bit more and more changes obviously it's a bigger volume too everybody's got to yep. eat not everybody's got to paint
0: yes <laughs> so, yeah yeah uh, overall how is it like in the last two years is there anything out there, What I guess, what have you been hearing on? I, you see the restaurants that have closed, but is there, I guess, what, what is the restaurant industry and suppression looking like?
1: Yeah, it's been evolving for sure. So, you know, at the beginning of the pandem- pandemic, there was a sort of weeding out of the weakness in the herd, right? Uh, the, the restaurants that couldn't adapt and couldn't pivot and couldn't find out how to deliver, uh, um, they, they faded away. So, we lost a, a good volume of restaurants in the United States. Um, but then that industry is made up of some very hardy people, right? There was a lot of pivoting, there was a lot of, of reinventing themselves and developing new ways of doing business, uh, a lot more delivery, right? So, that feeds into the industrial sort of cloud ghost kitchen scenario yep. where we're seeing those all over the country popping up and still being used on a regular basis. Um, We see that. We also see um, the the industry trying to set up new restaurants less expensively, which is a natural sort of progression, right? So instead of looking at a full kitchen hood system, right, with gas lines, electric and big appliances that cost 30 grand a piece, right, they look at, well, maybe I can go with a ventless solution. right, right. where I don't have to put a vent from my kitchen hood six floors up and out the side of the building. Um, So they're looking at ventless solutions where they can just roll in an appliance that has a a recirculating duct um, that has a fire system in it, but it's a UL 710B fire system where the fire system, the vent hood, and the appliance are all tied together in one listing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so in that case, instead of suppressing a fire uh, um, after a two minute pre-burn and then keeping it out for 20 minutes, like UL tells you you have to do with UL 300, you suppress the fire and there becomes a fireball that comes out underneath the hood. And that fireball has to be retracted or sucked back into the hood in less than one second. What? Yeah, one second. They're timing it. Uh, and so it's a much different test and it's really designed around the appliance, the ventilation in that recirculating duct and the fire system together. So you have to have your detection temperature low enough to get the fire when it's in a small enough, uh, stage, right? You have to have a strong enough fan to suck that fireball back underneath the hood and into the ventilation, uh, where there is suppression. Right, yeah. uh, uh, do that. So it's a much different test, but the end users can buy a standalone rollaway product.
0: That's crazy. I got to see one of these. So, I hopefully they have a. Vi- do you have a video of one of those tests? I'd love to kind of post. We, that. we do have some videos. Oh, that, we
1: could probably that, put something together.
0: Uh, yeah, like a. You know, that, that's a interesting thing where you have to suck the fireball back in within one second. Yeah, it's yeah. uh, you know, everybody. I'm used to UL three hundred. Again, I'm not. Too deep into the pre-engineered, but yeah. obviously everybody knows UL 300. But I didn't know about that other standard. That's cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so when you walk into a bar and you see a little box that's a deep fat fryer on the bar behind the yeah. bar, yeah. that's a UL 710B uh, application. That's got. A-
0: oh, uh, it's got a suppression system in there. I never yeah. knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. So.
1: So we're seeing quite a bit more of that in the market. Uh, the other thing we're seeing is a lot of electric appliances, more, a lot more electric appliances than gas uh, in emerging new restaurants and new uh, new uh, um, lineups. Uh, and it's because of power consumption and uh, uh, and how they cook things. They can cook things faster. They can cook them with less emissions, less natural gas cost, uh, less installation cost. Right. Uh, so they can deliver food, uh, frankly, at a lower cost to their customers more consistently. A good example of this is Outback Steakhouse is removing most of their broilers for steaks. And they're putting in platen clamshell griddles, just like you find in a McDonald's.
0: No way.
1: Yeah. So because they can cook a steak from both sides. Yeah. they can do it quickly. They can get it into a box and they can get it delivered to your house quickly. And you get a good wow. consistent quality steak because it's cooked from both sides quickly get it in get it out uh interesting so uh, a lot of changes like that in the industry uh um, a lot more electrical appliances a lot more low emissions appliances so with an electric appliance you can actually do a test with ul and if your emissions from cooking off of that appliance are low enough you don't need fire suppression at all
0: really i didn't know that
1: yeah yeah so so the uh the food equipment manufacturers are really exploring those avenues more and more all the time and the best um example of that is climate pledge arena in seattle uh there are i believe and i might have this number off just a little bit but i believe that there are 38 range hood fire systems in climate pledge arena mm-hmm. 34 of them are UL seven ten B recirculating duct systems, yep. and only four of them are UL three hundred standard sort of fire suppression in a hood in a kitchen. Interesting. Uh, so all of their stations, if you go in into in any of their commit any of their uh, um, commissary kitchens or any of their uh, uh, um, kitchens up on the concourse, you won't see a regular hood and duct.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, it's 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 crazy that 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 pushed that innovation and probably a little bit due to the, the slowdown, right. And having to reinvent and what, um, is, is does NFPA 17 a cover that? Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: NFPA 17 a does cover any wet chemical fire systems and the wet okay. chemical systems, uh, or the systems that are in UL 17 B applications are wet chemical. So they do gotcha. fall under 17 a, uh, and then there's a recirculating section in 96, I believe as well, that addresses that. Uh, Interesting. and, uh, uh, the uh, other thing that's happening with those ventless hood solutions is it's a lot less expensive in a city like New York, right, where if you've got, a uh, let's say, a cafe on the sidewalk, right, but it's in an older brick building that's several stories, trying to get duct from a hood outside of the building into an, in an acceptable manner is really expensive right uh and it's arduous sometimes sometimes there's no place to spray that fan because if you do you're going to spray it right on the law firm next door right Uh, so so i was up at um the food service consultant international show up in montreal early this year one of the first trade shows we've been able to get back into right and uh there was a big discussion within that group and these are people that all they do is design commercial kitchens that's it that's their entire job right um and uh, there was a big discussion there about in New York City, the vast majority of new appliances going in have a recirculating duct instead of a standard duct. Huh. Uh, because, again, in that that cafe on the sidewalk in a big brick older building, you can slide yeah. that into a kitchen without having sure. to put a duct in.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so we're seeing that a lot more. And it's um, it's a different way of doing fire suppression because it's it's very, very pre-engineered. Uh, and yeah. we, as fire equipment manufacturers, we don't sell the repair parts directly to our distributors. The the manufacturer that makes the appliance sells them through. Excuse me, I apologize. Uh, sells them through a place called Partstown that all of the uh, the food equipment manufacturers sell the repair parts through. So, and the pricing's a little aggressive. I don't mind saying. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It's part. So part, part what would you
0: call it? Parts Depot
1: or? It's called uh, Partstown.
0: Town, All right. It yeah, sounds town, like it's gone. pretty aggressive.
1: Yeah. And so all the parts are sold through them, but that, that's been increasing more and more. Uh, and, and has to do with, uh, has to do with cost a lot, but it also has to do with uh, um, like lead buildings, like climate pledge arena has zero natural gas in it and it's a, a net neutral uh, a building. So, wow. uh, so that's why they did the ventless cooking in that particular space. When you remove natural gas, Ventless cooking becomes very attractive.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Uh back to your New York City comment. I know they rolled out a regulation to inspect and like certify duct
1: uh
0: duct cleaning. Um I think it's duct cleaning, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, that probably that. drove yeah. up the cost as well. That was like two years ago they did that. And that may have drove up the cost and kind of forced that as well if they're looking at it. You know. it, it
1: certainly would have exposed the cost to right. more people so that everybody went, whoa, look yeah. how expensive that is. But, but let me say, I, I back that move by New York City. They should be having uh, a closer look at each uh, exhaust duct, how often it's cleaned, what quality is it cleaned to, is that done the correct way. Yep. If you have a duct work that's got several bends in it going through several uh, uh, stories of a building, it's a danger. If it's not handled correctly, it is absolutely a danger. So I'm all for good enforcement. Uh, 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 In fact, I would say it's one of the things that I've seen in the pandemic that has gotten more rigorous. I think that the fire marshals got a lot of time at home to think about how to enforce their fire codes. And uh, I think I'm seeing a lot of jurisdictions that did not Well, before the pandemic, they didn't comprehensively test systems, right? They sort of just did it to the minimal, right? Now those jurisdictions we're seeing them have much more rigorous plan review, right? Much more rigorous trip testing, right? Much more rigorous reporting when it comes to service work, right? Right. Uh, And back to them, Um, a lot more, a lot more regulation around food trucks than. um, Yeah, yeah, a lot more regulation around food trucks than there used to be. Uh we've got fire marshals having food trucks come in to their jurisdiction and they're not acceptable so they're telling them simply you can't do business here until you come to this standard and they're showing them the NFPA guidelines wow. uh uh and and the NFPA standards and saying you need to come to this standard or you can't do business here.
0: That's that's not yeah, yeah, I know um um uh for where were we are going that food trucks before that um I forgot where we're going. You're done. Oh. <laughs>
1: well, there's certainly oh. more enforcement. And also, there's more enforcement in licensing and certification as well.
0: Yes. It's- all right. I, I got it. So, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I've I'm been work- we've been working a little bit with, with Bryce or in compliance engine a little bit. And, you know, predominantly before it was sprinkler fire alarm. But now they're getting into the suppression side, especially specifically kitchen suppression. Yeah. So all these jurisdictions are adding that on as another line item where inspections and deficiencies need to be uploaded which kind of creates that you know regulatory body and I, it's a good thing like you said yeah.
1: Yeah, listen, I'm all for good enforcement. Uh, I don't mean overwrought enforcement. I right. mean good, solid, accurate enforcement, right? Yep. Uh, and the jurisdictions that do that well, you can go into their jurisdiction and look at systems and look at alarms, and look at uh, buildings, and, and you can tell that those, uh, that AHJ has done their job in that market. Right. Yeah, In the jurisdiction. So uh, I, I'm a big fan of that. We like to do as much fire marshal training as we can, uh, practically, uh, as much as they want to get from us. Uh, uh, and, and usually we do quite a bit of that and are happy to do that, by the way, state fire marshal associations, uh, state distributor associations, national associations, we at Amorex, and I think our whole industry Want to do that, right? Uh, so, uh, if anybody's listening and wants that or needs that, reach out. We'll be happy to help educate. Uh, the the better education we have in this industry, uh, the better we will all be. Uh, the turnover also presented a ton of turnover, a ton yeah. of turnover within our fire equipment distributors, within us manufacturers, we at UL, right? Uh, really? all over, right? Uh, so, a lot of people that have been in the industry long-standing for decades have retired. Yeah, and that knowledge base has to uh, has to be replaced. and it needs to bubble up from within, right? Yep. Uh, and that creates a lot of room and opportunity in our industry.
0: It is, yeah. And, uh, and I think there was a stat, um, NFPA and, and Matt Klaus posted. You may have saw it the other day, but I think they polled, and I could get this wrong, so don't don't quote me on it. I think they polled, you know, anybody in the last, um, I don't know twelve to eighteen months that were retiring. So they polled those people at NFPA and they asked them, I'm like, what is your what is your thought on your knowledge being passed along after you retire? And twenty five percent of them said, Yes, it's passed along. But the other seventy five said a lot of that knowledge is being lost. Right. So there's yeah. a big there's that big gap there. And it's interesting they did that study and I'm I'm glad they're I've I've actually mentioned it a few times in the last week or so. So uh, uh, it's interesting to see who's gonna fill that gap and how long it takes for just that knowledge base, right?
1: Well, it's, it's very important and our industry's on this path to do this. Uh, Through places like uh, FPC and Ed O'Brien and the FED Learning Center uh, and the ICC certifications, NFPA 96, adding those license and certification passages all over their document, NFPA 17A and 17 as well, right? That whole effort is really helping with um, enforcement and, and requiring a high level of knowledge for technicians, But we're still struggling to get those technicians up to speed fast enough so that they can work for their employer, produce some money for their employer without sacrificing quality of service and quality of installation. And I think our entire industry is struggling with that a little bit. Right. Uh, But what I would say is those entities I mentioned before are doing a really good job of upping the industry's game or providing yep. options for these fire equipment distributors so that they can take advantage of these options, get their fleet of technicians really up to a high level. And then as they lose technicians, which is inevitable these days, mm-hmm. right? That you can replace somebody, you can build a feeder system in there. It gets equipment is another one that offers ICC training for the for fire extinguisher um, certification. Uh, there's another one there. and uh, But there are plenty of places that are doing it and it's increasing. Yep. Uh, um, and, and I think that's one of the most important things we have right now because our industry is growing. Uh, uh, we've got all the conglomeration, you know, the, uh, the big companies are getting bigger, right. Uh, and they've got these big staffs of new employees and you know what they're trying to get them trained up too. They're trying to get sure. them up to speed so that they can produce some dollars for them every day. Um, uh, that's probably our biggest challenge in our industry is getting new people in trained adequately or more than adequately, and then out on the road doing the proper work, um, yeah. fast enough. So, uh, yeah. I, I think you could go to every fire equipment distributor and they tell you that that's a challenge.
0: For oh yeah. It's, it's, I, I put a pain, pain point challenge slide together the other day and it's labor shortage and just yeah. knowledge base is number one, right? There's, yeah. yeah. There's that's other, there's cool. other rising costs and, um, uh, Know, supply issues and all that—that'll—that'll that'll settle out. But yeah. labor's labor's the tough
1: piece. You know what the supply chain issues have done to the market that I've seen. Uh, um, I, and if, let me just say this: I think each manufacturer has had their own individual challenges, and I think each manufacturer's done an admirable job of getting product on the market, yes. <laughs> and getting getting it to market as fast as they could. Uh, uh, it, it's a. being a fire equipment manufacturer these days is not for the faint of heart. No, Uh, uh, Yeah. Um, So, but, but having said that, I think the result in the market because of it is that the big end users or any end users don't want to be sole sourced, right? right? Uh, They are looking for diversification everywhere. Uh, you, You might not be the primary supplier into a big end user, but if you're the secondary supplier, that could be just as good right? Uh, um, it's really a reshuffling of the deck in a lot of cases because these end users are, hey, this particular entity couldn't help me open a store, but this one could. So now instead of giving 100% of my business over here, I'm going to diversify. I'm going to give half of it over here. So I have options for myself.
0: Yeah. And um, probably the same as from the distributor's point of view. I mean, Sprinkler is more of an open market. And then and then you got suppressions probably next. And then, and then Alarm, but Alarm's having to deal with it too is they can't right. get parts. So, yeah. all right, if your if your primary is one of the big big, you know, one of the big boys, like if do you have a secondary and are you yeah. big enough for them to get parts? So, I think you have to diversify as a as a, you know,
1: yeah. Listen, a distributor should honestly these days wants as much diversification as they can right up to the time where they pull pull the permit. When yeah. they pull that permit, they're locked in, right? At that point, the supplier they chosen better support them or they're in trouble. Right. Uh, 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 but right up to the point where they pull that permit, right, they want as much options as they can, or want as many options as they can, so that they don't get stuck behind the eight ball or get in a position where they can't get a store open for one of their clients. Right. Uh, and it's a challenge for everyone, uh, everyone. And, and I would just simply say that I got a lot of respect for the business prowess and the uh, the tenacity of our small fire equipment distributors that install restaurants—I mean, they are some tenacious people oh, yeah. uh, on all sides—and I got a lot of respect for that. Uh, um, and hopefully, the market and the supply chain is going to come back to support them a little more than it has been in the last couple of years. So, yeah, uh, and it, I done. think
0: it'll 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 improve as as inflation kind of, you know.
1: Yeah, it's going to solve itself a little bit, right? Inflation's going to has been spiking quite a bit. We're going to have a little bit of a dip in recession. Uh, the yep. question is, is how will that affect the food and restaurant market? Yep. And my my guess is that it'll push right through. Um, uh, some of the low hanging uh, businesses that maybe aren't as well planned as ever as ever, we might lose those, but I don't see the big national slowing down at all. Uh, I don't see most big uh, hotel chains slowing down. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think a lot of that's just going to push right through because as we started with, everybody's got to eat.
0: Everybody's got to eat. Yeah, the costs are going up, but everything else is going up. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I heard an article the other day about just just different restaurant tours uh, pivoting just some of their menu. It, it, you know, a lot of it's, you know, labor, but it's, it, it's the cost of the food, too. Um, that's right. So they're moving to more of a plant-based option, like cutting out certain proteins, right? And it was just interesting to hear that that they're adjusting the menu a little bit, you know? Yeah.
1: I watched a story this morning on this very thing, and a restaurant owner said, I place my weekly order for food. What they have available, right, is what I take, and then I build my weekly menu off of that. Wow. Right? Because he doesn't want to build his menu, keep it consistent, and then not be able to get all the pieces or all the product he needs to build those menu items. Right? Right? So instead, he's just been proactive and go, okay, each week I'll order what they have, and then I'll build my menu for the week off of that. (laughs) That's funny. Kind of a proactive way to do it, but that inventiveness is what I'm talking about. These people are, have some tenacity to them. Uh, they 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 see a roadblock and they just find a way around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so and you know what? It's survival, right? I mean, if they don't, their restaurant won't survive. Uh, right. So I, I just, I have a, I got a lot of respect for restaurant owners. I think it's a hard gig. I think yeah. it's a passionate uh, business that they they, they, they get in for their passion and then they find out that how difficult it is. And the <laughs> ones who make it through, oh, they, they, they're good business people.
0: Yeah, so, they are. They are. It's, it's a lifestyle business too. Uh,
1: so, uh. you know, interesting. We're, we're sort of talking about things that happened during the pandemic and different changes in the market um, internationally, one of the things that's interesting is there's a lot more players on the market now. Uh, a lot more restaurant fire suppression systems have are getting approved and out on the market. There's a company called Mobiac that now has uh, UL listings. There's Rotorex has got a system. hobbit has got a system. There's a place called Hood Saver uh, wow. that's out there, and they're all sort of. On in an international basis, pushing into different markets. Some of them are pushing into the U.S. and trying to sell systems uh, right. that have UL three hundred listings. Uh, right. But uh, but that's also been a pretty decent change in the last few years. I mean, these companies are all coming kind of coming out of the woodwork, and uh, and and frankly, making a lot more options on the market, but also confusing the market a little bit because they're tested to different standards some of these systems are lpcb listed some of them are listed to bsi there's a new standard in europe called en17446 uh like one system's listed to that uh china has a new standard not a new standard but a, a the ccc standard where if you want to do business in china you have to go there and do fire testing
0: wow right wow. so
1: so that kind of the international market is uh, is is changing and evolving quite a bit uh, right now.
0: Quite well, a bit. I'm interested to see you know U.S. is, is U.S. is pretty, but is there more regulations coming out within other countries with with the systems? And that's what you know. It's interesting that there's more manufacturers coming on, even though it's got to be there's got to be more demand in the other countries, right? Yeah. Well, For, and some of
1: it is regulation change, like Brexit. Yeah. Uh, it, it made the EU stand on their own. They used a lot of British standards prior to that. Right. right. And now that they're standing on their own, they're developing EN standards where maybe they didn't have one before or maybe where they were using an alternate standard previously. Right. So I think political shifts like that are also causing changes. Right. Uh, uh, changes in the market uh, and then places like China who want to control their own destiny and are yep. big enough to do so right. are looking at UL and looking at the United States and go, why do we need that? We can do this ourselves. Right. 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 Uh, and, and they're protectionist. Right. They want they want to uh, have people come and test in their facilities and, and spend their money in China and then build their product in China. Uh, So from a business standpoint, can we really blame them for that for that? (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. And I guess we've done the same, right? You gotta, you gotta test it over here. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, and that leads me into, you know, there's these different standards all over the world. Well, one thing that never stops in kitchen suppression are new appliances. Uh, fire, uh, food equipment manufacturers are out there every day, inventing new appliances to cook food in different new inventive ways. Yep. Um, and when they produce grease laden vapors, they gotta be protected. But what happens is these manufacturers go out and they make these products, they sell them to their customers, but they don't ever do any fire testing. Right. Uh, so they put it on the market and then they find out that they can't sell it until there's a fire coverage for it. Right. So then they come to the manufacturers like us or Ansel or somebody and say, Hey, can you test our fire appliance, our appliance to UL 300 standards. Right. Uh, and when they get the, the quote for that, they, they choke on it and then, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then decide whether or not that's something they really want to pay for or not. But uh, right. uh, that's happening quite a bit. There's like a salamander broiler out there used in steakhouses that doesn't have sides on it anymore. So, the traditional coverages that are out in the market for salamander broilers don't really fit that appliance. That appliance just shows up in a restaurant, and now the fire marshal has to make a determination about what he's going to do with it, right? Uh, So those kind of things happen. Uh, Also, UL has been evolving during all of this. Uh, They put a... um, a a change into the UL 300 standard back in, I believe, 2016 that required a worst case scenario testing for appliances that might have an obstruction. Uh, And that's changing the way that a lot of appliances are tested. Uh, Whereas before, if there wasn't a specific test for an appliance, NFPA said each manufacturer would use their recommendations on how to cover that appliance. but now UL is looking at that and going, hey, you know what? We put this worst-case scenario pl- clause, uh, clause in UL300 and get it approved, which it is. And now we can say, okay, we can have this appliance that you used to use manufacturer's recommendations for, and we can apply our worst-case scenario testing to it. And now we right. do have a test, and you do have to pay us to do it. Uh, oh, wow. Right? So, So that's a little bit of an evolution. And those worst-case scenario tests can be hard. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, And they can be difficult to suppress and they can create coverages for fire suppression systems that are expensive. Uh, uh and you can imagine end users aren't very happy with that uh no. Right? No. so there's a push pull going on there in the market trying to uh the end users are like we want less we want less fire suppression we think our appliances are safe we think our processes are safe we think our buildings are safe so we need less of that catastrophic fire suppression and ul and the manufacturers are on the other side of that argument saying yeah but you have minimum wage employees you have a lot of yep. turnover you're going to get failures there will be losses right, right. uh and that that discussion never stops uh it never stops in the market all the the fire equipment manufacturers the hood oems and then the 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 appliance manufacturers all have to work through that problem uh every day uh, on new appliances and new cooking concepts oh
0: well, yeah that's obviously it's one of the biggest industries is
1: yeah is, is yeah food, so right? Um, it can definitely uh, uh, throw off a project too. So, I mean, it, uh, sure. a food equipment manufacturer builds this awesome new appliance that has a ton of benefits for their end users. And then before they launch it, they have to, oh, I, what do you mean? I got to spend a hundred grand on getting something uh, uh, approved so yeah. it can that it catches on fire.
0: Right, right, right. You think so, they would uh, know about it at this point, but maybe there's a lot of just new manufacturers too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, again, enforcement's getting better. So because enforcement's getting better and more comprehensive, a lot of times that's what's driving it, right? It it drives, they can't open a store for one particular reason because a fire marshal says this appliance doesn't have a UL coverage or something of that nature. And then it drives that end user backwards, right? To come all the way back to the manufacturer of the appliance and the fire system and the hood to find out how to solve that problem for that one store, but then to make sure it never happens again. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, so uh, that, that certainly is happening a lot in the market these days. And to a benefit, if I'm honest, I, I think that diversification in the market, uh, um, multiple players doing fire testing for these end users, um, I think it, it helps the, the market and sort of move a little quicker, right? Mm-hmm. But we as fire equipment manufacturers and UL and fire equipment distributors, we better service this market correctly. We better do it right. We better be timely. There is a, there is a ton of money here. Yes. And if we don't service them appropriately, they will find a way around us.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'll they'll find a way, I mean. Yeah. Um Hey, uh I might have asked you this. I forgot when I asked you. What is a in kitchen suppression is, you know, is electric detection? I I haven't heard anything on it. Is it is it just like being punted because the restaurant industry is so so rough is is it is there any Movement I there. The,
1: I, I think there are two different parts or of the um restaurant industry. Sort of think of it like the big end users, right? Uh the, yeah. the big chain stores that everybody's heard of, all right. of the fast food joints, the big steakhouses, it's all of there's that end of the market, right? right? Then you have sort of the mom and pop or standalone restaurant market, right? Mm-hmm. Um electric detection is being driven by the big end user market and the food manufacturer market okay um and and then the third the last one would be building integration yep Uh, the building integrators right so uh so you have an end user uh that has global restaurants all over the world and they want to be able to know what fire system is protecting their store what status what is the status of that fire system right In, in their store and or all their stores Right. Uh, uh and, and the only way to do that is to have an electric system that can talk, yes. right. With, through some sort of port protocol, right, right. Back to a building integration, uh, right. system. Right. Uh, we are, we are rapidly, I would say rapidly. We're moving from a space where a normally open, normally closed signal is fine yep. to a place where you're going to need a protocol to, uh, and maybe some data recording, yep. right. uh, to record hood temperatures, right? Uh, to record events, to record all of that, and, and I think so. It's more about the electric detection and control. Yes, than it is the electric detection. Oh, okay, that makes yeah. sense.
0: Now and the communication that, piece of
1: it. Yeah. Now, what electric detection does provide, right? That fusible link detection never will is is the ability to go with rate of rise. Yep. Uh, So you can, you can have a much more aggressive detector. You can do that. Uh, You can have a lot better response time off of a a thermal electric detector than you can from a fusible links that that has to heat up to 360 degrees. Then it has to heat up all that metal to 360 degrees before it Mm. separates. right? Right. So you get better response time. And so the system goes off when you want it to, instead of 30 seconds or a minute after that.
0: Right, right. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. So there's real benefit in detection speed and versatility, meaning if you have linear heat detection, you can protect the first inch of a hood all the way to the last inch of a hood with one right. detector. Right. 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 Whereas if you're using fusible links, you're going to have to put one of those brackets every two feet yep, presenting yep. another thing to catch grease.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I guess it's, you know, maintenance on it. You're not changing the links out. Right. You're just yeah. cleaning the wire off. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now there, there, there are other considerations there. Uh, usually there's a trade-off with our system. They're selling a battery. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> fusible links. Uh, I'm not sure with Ansel's red system, but I'm sure there's a trade-off there somehow. Sure. Uh, and generally speaking from a fire equipment distributor standpoint, they don't want to lose that fusible link revenue. No. So Providing with them with another way to recapture that something they like for
0: sure. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, I didn't think of the battery. Yeah, that's, that's big.
1: The other thing is, think about building integration. If you have uh, an electric system, and then you have sort of a canopy hood up on the wall, right? Now you could probably put robots underneath your hood, right? You have a fire system that could trigger the stop of the robot if the temperature goes up over a certain temperature, right, or if there's a triggering of the fire system an actuation of the fire system. Uh, it can facilitate some of that, too, because it covers the hood more comprehensively. They can raise that hood up a little farther, put a robot underneath it to just grab a patty, stick it on the griddle, take it off the griddle, put it on a bun.
0: <laughs> does does a robot have a face or is it just like
1: a <laughs> just like you'd see in a manufacturing plant uh when i was up at fcsi uh the food service consultant international show in montreal there was a big discussion about robots uh really uh, yeah there's in san francisco there's a full company that uh, a barista company that makes uh coffee stands uh and there's no employees you walk up, touch an iPad, put in your order, the robot makes your uh, latte or your mocha or whatever it is you're getting and hands it to you, right? Uh, and there's crazy. no people involved at all. It's all electronic transactions on an iPad. Uh, and, and so there's uh, there's also a place uh, that's, that's coming around that's pretty innovative. You show up to this truck and you place your order for your pizza uh, on the uh, ipad and then inside the truck it will assemble and bake your pizza and it'll spit it out at the end <laughs> that's right? wild but again no people involved it's all robots
0: that's nuts yeah
1: we, we are headed in that direction
0: right like the jetsons um,
1: ordering app ordering i mean every drive through you go to now they ask you if you place your order on the app right yeah uh, right yeah, all of that automation is coming, and it's all being driven because of labor shortages and labor prices. Yep. But more labor yep. shortages than labor prices.
0: Yeah, yeah, the prices, I think, can be dealt with. There's nobody to do it, right? So you either have yeah. to shut down or automate. And-
1: yeah. yeah, and they're all looking at it one way or another, right? Uh, but it's all on that big end-user end of the market. The mom and pop or sort of standalone restaurant, one family owns this business or two or three, that market stays pretty stagnant. It's very, yep. it's very cost-based. It's survival of the fittest. Get open quick, get your food sold, right? Uh, all, all of that. And it stays really sort of fairly consistent in how they do business. Most of the changes come from that leading edge, the bigger companies yep. that have bigger market share, the guy of research and development budgets, that kind of thing. Right. So, yeah um, so wow uh, yeah it's uh, it's an interesting time to be in the in the restaurant fire suppression business or just in the fire suppression business altogether uh, I enjoy it a lot honestly
0: uh, yeah that Montreal that Montreal conference sounds pretty fun like it just'd be just fun to walk walk the show not even being in you know just to see all the innovation with with how things cool. are being cooked
1: you know it's it's a bunch of engineers and designers that have a passion about food. And how it's prepared, and uh, and how it's made, and to sit and listen to them talk about the inner workings of a kitchen. I mean, these guys could sit down and talk about the five thousand different things you can make in a combi oven for like twelve hours. <laughs> <laughs> <Right? laughs> so it's uh, uh one of the big discussions was those sous vide egg bites at Starbucks. Right? Yeah. Uh, um, it, it's one of the things that's sort of threatening our industry a little bit in that they can make those in a production kitchen, right? Yep. Cooking them in water, not needing any fire suppression or ventilation or anything for that, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Produce thousands and thousands of them, divide, deliver them to their stores, and they're just as consistent as any Egg McMuffin you've ever bought.
0: I didn't know they were cooking them sous Sous-vide. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. know they were doing that.
1: Yeah, there's a, a lot of that. So think about it. Starbucks competes with McDonald's on a regular basis in the breakfast space. Oh,
0: yeah, and, totally. And,
1: and there's not one kitchen hood in one Starbucks anywhere.
0: I didn't, I didn't, I never noticed that. I, you're right. It's yeah. only, you got extinguishers there and a fire alarm or sprinkler system if it's yeah a fire
1: they are they are making everything in production kitchens delivering it to their stores and then heating it up in one way or another steamers microwaves that kind of stuff wow. um heating them up and and then delivering them and they're doing it in a consistent enough way that the quality is there right uh and, and you don't feel like you're sacrificing uh by ordering an, a, a sous vide egg bite over an egg McMuffin. yeah spot.
0: exactly i'm I'm wondering when they do the the barista bot next you know
1: yeah well you can look that up online it's on youtube uh they're they're in operation in san francisco in starbucks no no the Uh um the one i described earlier the barista company
0: yeah (laughs) funny enough my one of my good friends he has one in his kitchen where you know just put in whatever you want and it you know you got it within a few minutes
1: exactly Yeah. yeah but you know you think about it low emissions appliances ventless appliances electric appliances right, uh, engineered food, right, cost-saving measures by restaurants, they're all targeting getting rid of fire suppression. They're all yeah. targeting a cost that they don't like or understand, and if they can find a way to build a restaurant without involving us, they will. So again, right. we need to be good vendors, good responsible vendors to these companies right. uh, and show them that there's a real value in the fire suppression they're buying from us, yep. uh, and that we're working with them to good for good quality solutions yep. so that we maintain our industry for a long time.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, these,
1: these threats are real and, and accountants that, that uh, take care of these P and L's for all these restaurants, they manage yep. every penny.
0: Yeah. 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 I, yeah especially at the, the national ones. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, uh, well, good stuff, Jamie. Thanks for, uh, for, for popping on, giving an update. I'm, I'm excited to see the stuff at NAFED next year kind of, yeah. uh,
1: yeah, you know, I'll be I'll be talking to technicians as I do in companies across the country, and this is sort of my starter set for that presentation at NAFED. Um, what I really like to do, because uh, I haven't been in the field for a minute now, right? So the longer yeah. the longer I haven't been in the field, uh, the right. more I realize what I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so I have a network of guys that I rely on to go get information and things that are happening out there in the market that I may not see.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I would say to your listeners,
1: if you've got, you know, statuses, what's happening or things you're seeing in the market that are different, reach out. I'd be happy to talk to you. Uh, I'd be happy to work with you. You can find me on the Amorex website. Uh, I'm Jamie Chuck Fire on virtually all the uh, social medias. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, happy to answer questions and talk to people if there's a Uh, a
0: little, 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 uh, I, I, I've, you've been on a few times, so I'm not, you know, we, everybody knows who you are and everything Uh, in your background there. What's your, what you got, what's your favorite or most uh, eclectic, you know, item?
1: Well, it's, it's two, it's actually a collection of uh, helmets. So if you look on your right shoulder there, Right. Yeah, uh, the bottom helmet is my fire helmet from when I was a shipboard firefighter on the USS Jewett.
0: Oh, wow! The helmet
1: above that was my father's fire uh, helmet when he was a firefighter for District Four in Washington State here. Wow! For most of his uh, his life, and the uh, helmet above that is a hockey goalie helmet that oh, yeah. my daughter's. That's uh, awesome. Uh, and, uh, so those are kind of my three favorite things. And that's my dad's flag from, uh, oh, that's uh, great military, but, uh, awesome. uh, above me. And then over there on the shelf there, I've got a lot of things, but, uh, a lot of commemorative, uh, um, Amorex fire extinguishers up there, old yep. uh, old soda acid and my, my collection of, uh, horseshoe, uh, horseshoe men right there.
0: I love it. I love it.
1: I got that center one. The first one when I was five uh, my <laughs> uncle, uh, decided he was going to teach me to weld when I was five. Uh, and, uh, and so we built that him and I in his barn. Uh, and then I have got the other ones around that. So
0: I can't imagine, uh, teaching a five-year-old to weld, but, uh, well,
1: listen, I, I don't think I did very <laughs> good, but, uh, <laughs> whatever I stopped going to uncle Lee's, uh, uh, farm in the summers. I could, weld. By <laughs> that. <laughs> so. uh,
0: that's funny. Um, well, cool. Uh, Thanks for for popping on here. Obviously, you found out where where you can find you, Jamie, and yeah, um, yeah looking forward to obviously uh, NAFED next year. And um, yeah, please throw throw us some lines on on just different topics. You know, reach Absolutely. out to Jamie and and Amrex, and I'm, I appreciate what you've you've done for the industry and kind of just some innovative items that you know Amrex has been a really good partner of ours. And trying to think outside the box to progress in industry it's kind of been stagnant right we,
1: we really like to be very good stewards of the industry uh we we we, uh, we think of ourselves as a company that likes to be on the leading edge of both protecting the industry from a fire code standpoint and different uh, issues there and also a leadership standpoint where we can have thought leadership like this throw out ideas, throw out thoughts about what we're seeing in the market, present presentations at industry association meetings to sort of give that feedback to the industry. We really like being in that position in the market and want to continue doing that. Uh, so anybody that can you know, help us, give us information and, uh, and work with us, we'd love to do it. So thank yeah. you for the platform. Really appreciate yeah. it. And by the way, inspect points are great. I mean, you guys are pushing in, doing a lot of <laughs> stuff and, doing it in a way that's nice. You're supporting the industry, supporting the industry associations, helping yep. them through problems like you did in California with the ADA forms, mm-hmm. right? Uh, just helping them figure out what they need to comply with, with some of that stuff. So uh, again, I think it's uh, good companies doing good things, being good stewards of the industry. I think yeah.
0: Yeah. Really- gotta look forward. Cause you know, it's, uh, it's not about today or tomorrow. It's about, you know, what, what's a year from now? It's a couple of years from now, so you're ready for it. Yeah. So.
1: yeah, we we protect a, a lot of lives around this country, and also this industry provides a lot of livelihoods for a lot of families yes. Uh, yes. and it's a, it's a good industry to, uh, to be in. We're going to find out just how recession resistant we are here in the next few years. Uh, right. But the last time we did that in 2008, 2010, our industry fared pretty well. So
0: it, 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 swings to the, to the service side, which is, is, you know, you have the systems out there, you have to service them. So yeah. yes, there might not be new ones out there for a little bit, but, um, and honestly, the pandemic was a dip, right? So, yeah. We got through the pandemic perfectly fine, and a lot of that was recession resistant or pandemic resistant, because it, fire protection's essential. It's essential yeah. business.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, it's a good industry to be in. I, I'm certainly proud to be in it and want to do anything I can to to help further the industry for sure. Uh, that's the listen. I like selling stuff, and I like kitchen fire suppression, but I really <laughs> like the fire business, uh, and, and I, uh, I really like to do what I can to elevate it and make it better.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate it again and uh, we'll chat soon.
1: All right, take care of yourself. Thanks for the platform, Thanks, take care of yourself, bye. Take care.
0: Uh... Wanna thank Jamie Knowles again from Amerex to come on the podcast and talk about pre-engineered systems, the state of the industry, just new markets that we're getting into um, and just some of the new technology out there. So appreciate the listenership like and subscribe we've got a couple new episodes coming out in the next few weeks so stay tuned see you again soon thanks